the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal. No way. We take part ourselves. Yes. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. Yes. I'm I'm Ross Blotcher. Very good. I'm Carrie Sopsy. (laughs) You've got no S's anywhere in your name. Also, uh, you were making the jack-off motion earlier. Because we were talking about, like, we don't just report on that. Yeah. That would be yeah, boring. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to give you credit. Oh, for, my, for the Jackoff motion that <laughs> yeah. no one would ever know about because yeah, this yeah. is a podcast? Well, right, thank right. you. I Thanks just, for bringing that out into yeah. the light. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what she said. It's a running gag that Carrie and I will, like, kind of shake our heads while the other person says, we don't just report on fringe science. Like, neutrality. as if we're speaking back to something <laughs> yeah. with disdain. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, the other person gets a sour lemon look on their face. Yeah. Oh, we would never. Oh, yucky, yucky, just yucky. reporting the worst. <laughs> anyway, we have a good time over here. Mm-hmm. We have our own second little show. <laughs> so, anyway... What are we talking about today? Exposure therapy. Sure. Right off the bat, I should say that every time I go to say it, I first want to say aversion therapy. But oh, uh-huh. that's something different, right? Or is that just a different version? <laughs> that would be different. So aversion therapy would be attaching something negative to something you don't want to do anymore. Oh, okay. Like you're trying to stop biting your thumbs so you put quinine on them. Yep. Yep. That's aversion therapy. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, but we're talking about a phobia uh, or an intense response that you're trying to get rid of or master or move away from. Yeah. In my case, we were looking at specific phobia. So specific phobia is the term for having a phobic panic-like response to a really specific scenario mm. or object like spiders, snakes, heights. There's all these fun names for all these phobias. Yeah, you got a fave? Balanphobia is the fear of sharp objects, I think. Okay. Sometimes you're like, yeah, go ahead and fear sharp objects. Seems like a good call to me. Some of them you'll hear and you'll be like, is that a real thing? Or did someone just enjoy coming up with this word? Uh, For example, you've probably heard of the fear of long words. Hippopotomonstrosesquipedaliophobia. <laughs> Pretty good. It's funny. It's an example of itself. Yeah, because the person who feels that way wouldn't want to describe it. So you're torturing them. What are you them. struggling with? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, okay, let's get into it. Phobias, they exist at the corner of society and the individual. You know what I mean? Like... I'm afraid of snakes, right? That's what we're working out That's to. why. I classically have been afraid of snakes. Now, I was a city kid. To my social network, mm-hmm. no one gives a shit. No one cares that I'm afraid of snakes. This plays no role in my life, right? It's true. Because we're just never around snakes. Yeah, at the Ark, there was a snake that told us that if we could believe that Noah's Ark wasn't real, that uh, we could believe that heaven wasn't real i'm just trying to think of like snakes that we've encountered in the course of our investigations but yeah you and i are not normally surrounded by snakes yeah snakes are a real rarity in my life i see them you know if i'm at like a wild animal exhibit or something like that i don't generally go to the zoo every once in a while i'll you know, run into a friend who's got a snake, but no one in my life right now has a snake. So like, this is not a normal thing in my life. But 
last year. I was taking psychopathology at Harvard Extension School with Shelley Carson, and she was talking about specific phobias. And she started describing snake phobia, and I was like, well, yeah, but we're all like afraid of snakes. You know, they're just scary. And like most of the other people were like, no, hmm. we aren't afraid of snakes. I thought that was a very common one. Oh, yeah. You got numbers on this? Uh, let's see. Got- Ophidiophobia. Oh, wow. Carrie's got her book of abnormal psychology. Okay, let's see. How common? How common? Prevalence. Specific phobias are common, occurring in about 12% of people at some point in their lifetime. At least a quick internet search result I got says, around one in three adult humans have an intense fear of snakes, making it Hmm. the second most commonly reported fear in the world, the most common being arachnophobia. Okay, so they're putting that at 30-something percent for... That's a lot. Yeah, whereas this said 12% of... All people will have any phobia in their whole life. Okay, so that's a disparity there. Yeah, I think probably we're talking about a difference between like, do you find it scary and how scary, which is always you're drawing a random line in the sand at some point. Interesting. Looking at another result here, one in 10 American adults and one in five teenagers will deal with a specific phobia disorder at some point in their lives. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's more in line with what you were saying. Yeah, so the second part of the question is whether... You not just experience the fear, but are you experiencing it in a disordered way where it interferes with your life? Right. And that's not, for me, the answer is no. So I feel like cop to that. That's kind of related to definitions of addiction that they prevent you from doing other things in your life, that they get in the way, that it becomes a problem because of a behavioral reason that you can point to. Yeah. I want to correct from earlier. I think I was remembering the fear of sharp objects from, I don't know, the side of a takeout container or something (laughs) like that. Belonophobia is the fear of needles. Oh, okay. That's the one I was kind of half remembering. And then, uh, yeah, fear of snakes seems to go by ophidiophobia or ophiophobia or the broader reptile herpetophobia. Okay. All right. I'm not going to obsess over these phobia names, (laughs) but they're fun and there's many of them. Well, I just felt like it would be cool to extinguish this fear in myself. Yeah, you yeah. thought, let's deal with this one. Yeah, why not? Like, I thought it would be a cool thing to prove to myself. When I was reading my textbook, it was talking about extinguishing these kinds of phobias and basically that anybody can do it. You don't even need to be doing it with a professional most of the time. Mm. And I realized, like, we're just talking about a principle. Like, it's an exposure principle, I don't even know if therapy is even the right word. Oh, like okay. It's like the principle is, Carrie, if you stand near a snake long enough, you will run out of panic and then you will stop associating panic with this animal. Just stand next to a snake as much as you freaking can. That's interesting. And I just took in that principle. Yeah. Earlier when we were talking, you referred to panic juice. Like you just kind of uh-huh. run out of it after a while. That's interesting. I never thought of it as sort of a, a finite resource that you could sort of just run out. Well, Shelly Carson, my professor, she said that it was like 27 minutes at the high end was how long some people can panic. And those are the people who are amazing at panic. Oh, okay. Can, top. Yeah. Top rate 
panic <laughs> yeah if you can sustain it for an entire sitcom you are um, <laughs> but we're talking about like true panic like you're not thinking about anything else you want out of here you're looking at the exit the entire time interesting yeah your body just can't do that forever my mom always had an extreme fear of almost anything that wasn't human oh wow uh, that would get anywhere near the house especially something small enough to be sneaky rats snakes okay yeah possums oh little tiny oh possums. she hated possums so oh, much so cute. it was just the worst thing in the world for her so whenever there was a snake nearby i had no option but to be you know i was the only other person in the house for many years so you know i had to go deal with it oh right thankfully it was never really an issue oh do you mean you had to go kill him no like just go like handle it grab it take it somewhere else put it, it in a field else. oh and that did you get scared no okay though uh, i'll say Whenever people would ask me my phobia when I was younger, I would always say moths because uh. I remember one time I was really freaked out by moths. We were staying at my step-grandfather's unfinished house in Montana, and there was just many places that were open and unfinished in the building. So at night, just this endless swarm of moths would come in, and I would sleep in this upstairs bedroom, and there was a plastic sheet oh, yeah. on the cover of the bed. And it would already have like moths on it. There would be like five dozen of them swirling around the light. And I had to turn off the light, run into the bed, get under the covers, pull them over my head. And I would hear the moths going (laughs) against the light fixture as it dimmed. And then I'd wake up with a bunch of dead moths all over the bed cover that I was sleeping under. And yeah, I was scared of moths for a long time. Yeah. Wow. That's like a a detail in a haunted house story it's almost like yeah like a batman origin story or something if one yeah, had bitten me i'd be mothman you'd be, you'd be Man. thankfully that's not already taken yeah 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 i've never heard of anything <laughs> like that wow okay now do you encounter moths now in your everyday life and do you have any reaction to them a very muted reaction like i want them to go away i don't want them flitting close to me or anything but i don't get anything like the kind of panicked response i've seen in some of these videos mm-hmm. of people reacting to snakes i would say i have that response when it comes to cockroaches especially large ones especially ones that are flying mm. then i go into like i call it like braveheart mode you know <laughs> where like i want to declare war until this thing is dead okay okay oh oh so it's it's an approach response though not, yeah not but, a flea response well flee but then come back with a shoe or something <laughs> like, <laughs> okay yeah 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 Kara has seen me freak out we had a giant flying cockroach get in our apartment once and oh i was not cool with it and she was she was both horrified and kind of entertained oh it was (laughs) it was this big and fat whoa that's like six inches yeah like five inches long and fat oh it was oh so that could be someone's dick it was terrible that's a lot that's a big (laughs) bug i was not cool well, I don't know what to call that. Fury, bug fury. Yeah. Bu- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bug zerker. I went into yeah. berserker mode. Um, but snakes don't bother me. Okay. Yeah. So. I will tell everyone I was voting for us having a live snake here while we recorded the episode. Yeah. It didn't happen. Okay. It didn't happen. But I have now held a snake. So it was my 2023 goal to hold a snake, prove to myself that I could do it. Whew. 
I really wanted to do it alone. I really wanted to like do my exposures leading up to holding this snake. I wanted to do them alone. I don't know. I just liked the idea of like doing this all by myself and just proving like this is just a principle. You can be near things and you can defang them just by being near them. And you'd heard from the professor, you'd read the literature and you felt confident this is doable. Yeah. Let's test this. Yeah. I looked into some of the literature and right now there's a bunch of cool like computer programs people are using to test out exposure therapy. So like if a kid is afraid of snakes, but they only go to grandma's house in Florida once a year, so they don't get a lot of chances to have that be a regular part of Mm. their life. Mm -hmm. So they can do these like computer exposures. Yeah. I was seeing a lot of experimenting being done with virtual reality where Uh you can wear a headset and you can perceive, you know, with real depth and believable a scale, a simulated situation. And I saw one in particular that was used for snake phobias. And I looked to see if it was like commercially available where I could like buy and put it on a headset for you. And it didn't look like it was. I guess it was just for like a research thing. Though I did unintentionally do that to you recently. Carrie's looking around. You did? Uh, Because (laughs) I had you try the ayahuasca experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. And, you know, I kind of remember that there were snakes, but they didn't really... Oh, that's right. They didn't make such an impression on me that I thought to even mention it to you. And then I felt bad because you put on the headset. And sure enough, it's this application. I think it was on the Steam store. And it was quite impressive. Like they did a really good job, I think, of capturing the ayahuasca experience, you know, minus the rerouting of neurotransmitters through your brain. But visually, you know, they, they captured it pretty well. And I forgot just how many snakes were involved (laughs) until I was watching it through the kind of preview monitor. Uh, But you handled it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was okay. I noticed it and then was like, oh, well, you know, there you go. There you go. Snakes (laughs) in your everyday life. You got to wait through it. They're a big part of uh, ayahuasca. There we go. That's another investigation connection to snakes. Yeah. Yeah. They're a popular thing that people see under ayahuasca probably reflects how common it is to be afraid of them because Mm -hmm. people see them kind of during the creepy part of the ayahuasca experience. And also in Christianity, the image of the snake goes back to the garden. She just wanted to learn and the snake was all involved in this process. So this is what I assumed it was when I was a kid. I just thought like, well, we're all afraid of snakes because of course we're afraid of snakes. God made sure of it. That was the curse of the snake. It lost its legs and eventually like it will bruise our heel and we will crush it under our feet. It had this kind of cosmic significance. Yeah. Well, I decided I was going to overcome. So I figured that the first thing to do was to just watch like cartoons of snakes or something that would be really friendly, but like still give me a little bit of the shivers. Okay. So I watched Ricky Ticky Tavi. Oh, yeah. Which I That's the name of the mongoose, right? Yes, yeah. But it's the Orson Welles cartoon about the mongoose. Okay. So I, I watched it a lot as a kid, and I really loved Ricky Ticky Tavi. But I remembered huh. there being this really scary part with a big cobra. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch all of Ricky Ticky Tavi. So I watched that. And felt like a little bit of the like shivers in my body or whatever. There was this second thing going on in my head that I'll try to invite you and the listener in on, which is like, oh, now I'm going to be telling this story and other people are going to be listening. And now I don't want to 
oversell it and make it over entertaining. I don't want to focus in too much on my own fear. Okay. So then I've got this other monitor going on, like, don't perform. Don't perform your fear. You're not that scared. <laughs> so that was also happening in my head. Okay. I was watching Ricky Tiki Tavi, and I think my fear got to like, you know, a two or something. I was just like... Oh, my body responds very barely to the shape of a snake. Okay, I think this is fine. I think I can move past this. I like this idea of just putting numbers on your fears. That feels like a very our investigation kind of thing. Yeah, okay, good. That too. I'll give it a two. Yeah, so then I pushed past that and then I started watching snake videos. (laughs) Now all your YouTube searches are messed up. All the recommendations. (laughs) I mean, they were already pretty messed up. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, now there's a lot of snake stuff too. Yeah, so I just watched videos of like, the scariest snakes are the ones that bite and the ones that constrict and the ones who have killed small animals. And okay, what are they up to? What are they actually like? What are their lives really like? Mm. And I had never really thought about it. I didn't really know what exactly I'm even afraid of here. You never even walked a mile in the shoes of a snake. <laughs> exactly, people. Exactly. Just because they don't have feet doesn't mean you can't walk in their shoes. You know who else? Uh, famous fictional character who shares a fear of snakes. Indiana Jones. You got it. Yeah. Hey. I told you I like Indiana Jones. Okay. It's a C plus franchise. And his famous line is? I hate Snakes. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Oh, okay. Close enough. <laughs> I hate snakes. Same, that, same that's thing. the intent, but yeah, maybe not as memorable. So then I started watching videos and I had to watch a lot of poisonous snake videos. I discovered this was where the real fear was. Or venomous snakes because they puncture you. Yes. Poisonous. Is that different? Poisonous is, yeah, something you ingest and... Venomous is something that ingests. Ingests into you. Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Got it. Venomous snakes. And I discovered that this was pretty much where a bunch of the nervousness lay is I can't tell a non-venomous snake from a venomous snake. I'm from LA. Oh, right. People generally say, watch out for bright colors. That oh, you sh- I never even heard that. Oh, okay. I've never even heard that. That's how much I grew up but in LA. I don't think there are any hard or fast rules. I think we all know to listen for a rattlesnake, which I ran into on a hike once. And it unfurled in front of me and my friend. Oh, my God. First, I thought it was just like a boulder rock that had kind of fallen into the path, but then it uncoiled. Oh, my God. And that is crazy loud. Like, yeah, that's just that was my main takeaway is, wow, that was super loud. So we had to back up, find another path to get back. Okay, so, okay, here's my question. Yeah. How close was it to you? Oh, at its closest, maybe three feet. We quickly backed up. Okay. It didn't spring at us, but okay, it, it so was... Okay, so backing up didn't ugh, trigger anything. It was super effective. When that thing goes off, just your, okay. bo- your body is consumed with, I must get away from this thing wow. now. Wow, okay, okay, Mission cool. Mission accomplished. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to the point of recognizing snakes... You know that even for any general rules, like not all of them are going to make loud noises. Not yes. all of them are going to have patterns you recognize. There are going to be some that are borderline. But you would say if someone told you, hey, this is a garter snake, totally fine. It's not going to harm you. It can't bite you. It's not venomous. That would be a different experience for you, or even as a video watching. Yes. Well, okay. I guess there's two questions there. Knowing that it is non-venomous is what I'm going for and what will bring down my fear. Mm -hmm. The second question, can I trust the handler or trust the speaker? Mm -hmm. That's another question that brings my Stockton Rush 
fear into play. Because there could be the role of deception as well. Deception you, or just Stockton Rush behavior, the guy with the submarine. Okay, one of your other <laughs> crippling fears. <laughs> the, okay, the Titan submersible yeah. that has kept you up at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that was the guy who, was he in it or he was just the yeah, one who okayed it? Okay. He was also in it. And Carrie's face is going numb. Is that what's <laughs> happening right now? Carrie's running her hand over half of her face and smushing it. I it so much. Oh. But yeah, so this question of can you trust the handler, Oh, uh-huh. that's become a whole second question for me. I don't know the answer. But what I do know is if I can memorize enough rules, if I can get enough rules going in my head, <laughs> <laughs> then it'll be okay around the snakes. I just okay. need to know red next to yellow. The, don't touch the fellow. Red next to black. Oh, you, oh there's rhymes for this. Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you haven't heard these? No, it sounds like I before E, except yeah. after C. Well, they're terrible, though. Or sounding as A. And, neighbor. and by that point, you don't have enough time because the snake's <laughs> yes, there. Yes, yes, thank you i keep telling people this so okay there is this one kind 30 months like, half november April, <laughs> yes exactly thank you oh my god so there's this one snake that if it's red next to yellow i believe that's the order in which it can fucking kill you but if it's red next to black it's fine and so the the rhyme is red next to yellow kill a fellow red next to black you're in the clear jack oh that's terrible that's help me at all because it could be red next to yellow uh good job fellow like it's not this doesn't tell me anything this doesn't help me i feel this way every year because at summer camp we do actually have bears in the area and i'm pretty sure they're brown bears though actually now i'm doubting that we'll see and then the problem is one of the bear types brown versus black one of them you're supposed to like stand like a tree and assert yourself yeah and the other one you're supposed to like not make eye contact and oh, play yeah. dead you know and yes those are very different tactics <laughs> but every time i like start to think about it I'm like oh was that brown or was it black oh i don't know yep. now i'll never know i because- took a bear identification <laughs> class online and i also this is the one thing i should have left with is what to do with the brown versus black bear and i don't remember and then i think i read a like an article about that area and they'd released black bears there so it wasn't brown like i was expecting anyways i I wouldn't know what to do thank you thank you (laughs) yeah no i i can validate this piece of this so uh, so what i finally decided was okay here's the kind of snake i feel comfortable holding in 2023 a constrictor okay this interests a lot of people a lot of people think that sounds scary well the word constrictor is right there and you think of it wrapped around your head and cutting off your jugular well that's the one way it can happen okay yeah so the ones that people actually have as pets in the u.s just don't grow big enough to choke a person okay just don't but it happened exactly one time because oh no and now that's in carrie's head (laughs) no 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 it was a great i was like oh "Oh, good i can absolutely avoid that unlike the submarine where i don't know if i avoid it the statistics were on your side and there was a way to prevent this yes so here's what he did this guy had a pet boa constrictor Mm -hmm. he was proving to his friend that boa constrictors are safe he wrapped his boa constrictor around his neck and began to dance <laughs> oh no. Oh, I hate to laugh at somebody's untimely sure, demise, but Sure. But I was like, okay, I cannot do that. This will not happen. This series of events. I can stop. I'll be okay. I can stop this one okay. from happening. So, I was like, okay. I want a constrictor. 
So constrictor, I hardly know her. It, rare, <laughs> so I went to a place called the Wildlife Learning Center in Silmar with my friend Caroline Anderson. You've met Caroline. Yes. Our friend. Yeah, she went with us on an investigation where we were in a crystal circle. Yes. Contacting aliens. Aliens, cat aliens. Maybe. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, yes. So Caroline and I went to the Wildlife Learning Center and I go in there and they're immediately like, can you sign this form? It's a waiver and you were wavering. Yeah, it was a waiver. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and then I looked at it. And I thought of Stockton Rush. So this this plays because, into, okay, all right. <laughs> because I've recently read the waiver of the Titan Submersible. <laughs> okay. And everybody kept saying, well, there was death all over the waiver. Why did people get in there when there was death all over the waiver? And I was like, you guys got to read your waivers. Death is always in the waiver. Yeah. And I assume it was in the waiver that Death you were signing. Death was in the waiver, oh, Ross. No. And so then I was like, well, how many times is it in the waiver? Everyone said, oh, it's so many times in the submersible waiver. <laughs> no, it's comparable. Anyway, <laughs> I decided. Ooh, this is a <laughs> tough way to live. Tough way to live. But we're walking through it with you, care. <laughs> I stood there and I thought about it. And I was like, okay, here's what we know. (laughs) We know it's very hard for this snake to kill me. It's just going to be so hard. Even if the somehow this place fucks up so bad, Mm -hmm. I now know what a boa constrictor looks like. I didn't have to memorize a rhyme. I've seen the pics. And I know (laughs) that they'd have to wrap around my fucking neck and I'd have to do the tango and I won't do that. Okay. I'm willing to sign this thing that says, go ahead and kill me with your snake because I don't think you can do it. (laughs) So so I signed that. I bought Caroline a ticket. Of course, Caroline, meanwhile, is just like, oh, what kind of snake are we going to see? Oh, okay. Very good. (sighs) You've got me thinking now of like a book series called The Waiver Murders where, (laughs) you know, like somebody... It gets people to sign a waiver. (laughs) They're like, well, they agreed to it. And then they they manipulate the odds. (laughs) Just do a little dance with the bow constrictor. Just do a little dance. Uh, They're just goosing the probabilities, but it results in a lot of deaths. Right, right. The waiver murders. Or you don't even have to goose the probability. You could just be like, will you sign this? And then you take it back and it's like, I can kill you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, so Caroline was feeling good about it. So we go in there, and I'm a professional podcaster, Ross. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we got to run audio. So I'm- Good. Yes. So I get out my pocket recorder, and I press record, and oh, I say some funny stuff. I do some funny stuff. We're doing good stuff. Okay. Great audio, Ross. Just so good. And uh, then when we left. The way you're telling me this makes it sound like <laughs> you didn't actually save this audio. When we left, I listened to it. And it was like, I'm at the Wildlife Learning Center with Caroline. Oh, no. And that's that. <gasps> what happened? But Caroline took some videos. Okay. What, what happened? <laughs> the, the recorder just turned off at yeah, some point? Yeah, the recorder oh. just failed. Oh, I had a recording app fail on me recently. I was very upset. Ugh. Well, anyway, so then the handler came with 
zigzag. And Caroline had asked me, how should I react to the snake? What do you want out of me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, just model for me normal behavior around a snake. Show me that it's not scary. Whatever you would normally do around this snake. Okay. Don't gloat. Don't be like, look how I'm not afraid. But other than that, go ahead. Okay. I'm just kidding. She could have gloated. Okay, so <laughs> this guy brings Zigzag in. He was a big, long bow constrictor, and I definitely... Carrie was not looking for extra people there, so I did not accompany. Oh. And I think it was a work day, too. Oh, okay. So he brought Zigzag in, and uh, my fear jumped a little. Okay. It's a weird little shape. It's a little slithery thing. What, your fear? Yeah. Or the no, the, the snake. snake was a weird little shape. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This is what happens when I get afraid of the snake. Is I'm really fixated on its shape. Oh, interesting. Not its length or its girth, but its shape. Its shape. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I imagine it having feet, like an iguana, okay. it's fine. Hmm. Interesting. Just kind of like uh, rats and squirrels are so similar, but squirrels... Uh-huh have this kind of fluffy, cute tail. And I often think, you know, like that's the one differentiator. Like uh-huh. if it had a long, skinny tail, we'd all be like, ooh, get away. I, I, and I like a rat. I think they're cute. Okay. But I grew up with like them as class pets and stuff. But the lacking of the arms and the, legs. Yeah, that's where it gets really creepy for me. Okay. Whereas spiders, nothing. Like I see those eight legs and I'm like, cool, extra legs. Oh, interesting. Nothing. Yeah, my wife, not a fan of spiders. You see, it's like so weird and inbred. Anyway, so... How long was this guy? He was wrapped around his friend, but I think he was probably like six feet. Okay. If unwound. Pretty long. Yeah. Pretty long. And I said, as the handler came in, I said, I'm getting over a phobia. And he said, oh, Zigzag is perfect for that. He's so friendly. Oh, nice. So Caroline just goes over there and interacts with Zigzag like, oh, it's no problem. Like, oh, he's not a big boa constrictor who's about Gloating, to Gloating, essentially. Gloating. Exactly. Thank you. Caroline. Oh, she's so like this. I'm gloating with her behaviors. So she was petting him, and I went over after a while, and I was like, I'm going to touch the snake now, and I touched the snake. Now, Mm -hmm. have you touched a snake? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, well, well. Many times, but my friends Sam and Amers have uh, two lovely snakes, and uh, yeah, got to hold them. What kind are they? I'm pretty sure they are both ball pythons. Oh, okay. That was one of the popular options and I was happy to pick up a ball python but like a lot of yellow I remember yeah popular pet but not next to red yes that yellow next to red get in bed (laughs) (laughs) check your head yeah see I just hear that and I'm like just stay away from red and yellow snakes if you see any of those colors get away from them Sure. I'm not going to learn a rhyme. Mm-hmm. I'm there's just no, scared of you now. There's no time for mnemonics when yeah. you're Thank staring you. down a primal fear. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> okay, and, so. And I think the fear of snakes is clear in other animal species, including those related to us. So I feel like it is one of these deeply ingrained mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Evidenced by all the videos of cats reacting to cucumbers. Like, I, I right. assume it's for that reason. Yeah. So, it, it does have a high genetic basis. If one of your parents had a phobia, you're much more likely to have one. There's like some genetic tests that claim to predict how likely you are to have a phobia. So, mm. yeah, it's definitely an evolutionary holdover. Okay. 
Have you ever wanted to know the sad lore behind Chuck E. Cheese's love of birthday parties? Or, my Saturday mornings are reserved for cartoons? Or, have you wanted to know how beloved virtual pet site Neopets fell into the hands of Scientologists? Or, how a former Mattel employee managed to grow Sega into a video game powerhouse? Join us, hosts Austin and Brenda, and learn all of these things and more at Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, now on Maximum Fun. So zigzag, let me tell you guys, if you've never held a snake, the top, what a revelation. The top is like, all the scales move sort of independently. Like they're little islands on the sea moving like mm. into each other and out and in and out. I didn't, I didn't expect that. Okay. So that was cool. And then his underside was like that really soft, what pieces of shit used to make a purse. You know, like snake skin. Scales. And then, well, the snake skin purses oh. are from that underside, that like oh. really soft underbelly. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I say pieces of shit because you don't need to make a purse out of a snake. Sure. That's all I'm saying. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So I touched all of that. And then I was like, okay, so listen, my 2023 goal was actually to hold a snake. Can I hold zigzag? Mm-hmm. And you tell me. I think I held zigzag, but I was not allowed to hold zigzag's head. This is whether what you did counts as holding or not, and you want me to be yeah, the judge. Yeah, you be the final okay. adjudicator. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, wait. Let me see if I can come up with what I would consider holding a snake. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say like the majority of its weight depends on your support. Like if your hands were removed, the snake would fall. Okay. Okay, let's see. Let's see what you think. Okay, so Carrie's showing me this video. And it yes. it is a big snake. Yeah, so heavy. It's a serious yes. snake. He's pure muscle. He's yeah, a I heavy, guess that makes a heavy sense. bodied snake. Um, how much do you think he weighs total? You're doing it. Yeah. yeah? Oh, you yeah. Say that's hold, holding oh, yeah. the snake. Oh, you're you're holding it. Yeah, like there's a lot of the snake around him. Yeah. But you're lifting up a very significant portion of the snake and you don't look freaked out. Like if I just saw that, I wouldn't think like, oh, she's got a real snake phobia. I got to say, as soon as I touched him, my anxiety went down a lot. It was like the anticipation, not the touching itself. We're talking about a big girthy snake. Like I would guess even longer than six feet and Mm. around, I don't know, I'm not too good at measuring this, but I'd say it's like 15, 16 inches around. Like this, probably. Yeah, like Carrie's holding her middle fingers together and her thumbs together and forming a a circle. Yeah. Yep. He was so muscly. Yeah. He's just Pure muscle. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, snakes are all abs. It really is. It's just like straight up and down abdominal muscles until the very end of the tail. And so as you're holding him... It was like a parting and coming back together motion Mm. in the muscle. So it was like undulating in my hands. Kind of a peristalsis sort of thing. Yeah. Uh Okay. So that was exciting and strange. Right. Yeah, I can see how that would stimulate a fear. But for you, that reduced the fear. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. So the only thing that kept happening is that this curious little snake really wanted to come over and actually meet me. And the handler Mm. was pulling his head back, I think, on the 
I think to protect their liability, probably on the oh, off okay. chance the snake bites me, even though when and yeah, that and just maybe just to forestall a reaction from you having a head maybe. coming at you. Well, yeah, I was like, oh, can I interact with this head? And and he oh. said, no, a lot of snakes are head shy. You probably shouldn't. Okay, so I didn't. And then I mean, kept that's fair. Back. Not every animal wants to be pet. No, no, for sure. But he was coming over to me, and then he'd take him back. So anyway, the point is. I still felt nervous around his head, which mm. makes sense because it's what I didn't get to interact with very much. Okay. But I felt going into this, I was like, do I even need to do this anymore? Of course I can hold this snake. Mm. And then when I held the snake, I felt like, was this boring for Caroline? This was so easy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I only did this over the course of a year. I just watched a bunch of snake videos and then I went and held a snake. It's not that hard. Did you do an in-between process where you were in the room with a snake or near a snake um, before attempting to touch yes. one? Oh, sorry. Yes. I went to the LA Zoo once. Okay. I thought I remembered you telling me about something like that. Okay. LA yeah. Zoo. They've got snakes. Yeah. So I went in and actually I've got audio of it. You can hear me heavy breathing for 25 minutes if you want. Wow. Okay. <laughs> We're um, just going to play that right now. <laughs> just kidding. We're back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can hear there I'm I'm nervous and I had to wait, I think it was 26 or 27 minutes before I was like, oh good, my anxiety's coming down. Because what you don't want to do is go in, you get really anxious, you want to leave, you want to leave so bad, you convince yourself like, no, I think it is a little better. Uh, you know what, mm-hmm, I am, I'm mm-hmm. feeling pretty good. And then you leave and you're actually reinforcing for yourself to leave at your hottest point. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you want to wait until you're like kind of bored with it. You hmm. know, there's definitely no panic. And in fact, gosh, I think I saw falafel out there. Hmm. You know, that's kind of where you want to be. Waiting for your thoughts to return to their normal monkey mind yeah. distraction. Yeah. Okay. So if you hadn't had that experience, you think this would have been more difficult for you to just jump right in and see a real life snake? Probably. So the LA Zoo had a bunch of snakes that really were venomous mm-hmm. and really you know could harm me if this glass in front of me broke oh because these are notable snakes yeah that have come from far and wide that would have signs on them that said like this one will kill your family and all of your <laughs> children's children <laughs> anyway don't that's worry how, this glass is here that's how they write zoo signs like, <laughs> yeah. it would be a real <laughs> shame if this snake were able to get through the glass <laughs> LA Zoo fucking blows, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you think it made much of a difference that this was such a big snake? Because intuitively, that would be harder to acclimate to than a smaller snake. But do you think that the process that you had with that very large snake would apply to a smaller one? For me, it really seems to be about whether they're venomous. I'm just no longer afraid of the constrictors. I'm sure I would be if I went to like there are some countries where they actually have these enormous constrictors that can kill a person, but they're like mostly in like Taiwan where also the average body weight is much smaller. And so people are easier for snakes to kill there. Mm, interesting. So I think it would be hard to get me too afraid of a constrictor in the normal scenario in which I'd meet one. But those little tiny snakes that might have weird colors and rattles and all these like weird 
rhymes attached to them. Still freak you out. If you saw a snake in the wild and you didn't know for sure what kind of snake it was. That would freak me out. Okay. And what what does your freak out look like? Do you freeze up or do you flee? Uh, Freeze up usually, yeah. I saw one in our backyard and this was a few months ago. I did freeze, and then during the freeze process, I just, like, watched what was happening in my head. Okay. And I was like, oh, look at that. You're scared of the snake. You don't have anything to offer the snake. Mm. The snake doesn't want anything from you. Okay, Good. You were able to talk yourself off the, the ledge, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. And I have on my wall lists of characteristics of a friendly snake. And lists of characteristics of a venomous snake. Let's hear them. Okay. Oh, Carrie does the- not have to run to her office. She's got a good <laughs> enough handle now. The venomous snake is more likely to have slitty cat eyes, hmm. whereas the friendly snake is more likely to have round pupils. Okay. The venomous snake is more likely to have a thick body and the non-venomous is more likely to have a thin body that rule doesn't hold very well though mm, i gotta tell you lots of counterexamples to lots that lots of huh? counterexamples okay the biggest giveaway is whether they have these jaw sacks that could hold enough venom to hurt you oh right? so if they have like substantial jaw shapes that sort of extend from their body yeah you've got it right but if they have that you're still just in the territory of more Slightly likely. more likely to okay. have poison because now these other non-venomous species have adapted these false jowls to scare off their predators. Yeah, to our earlier point, this doesn't help at all because when you're in the middle of an encounter, you have That's no time. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, but what else is on the poster? Um. Okay, what else? What else? What else? Triangle head. I guess that's kind of the same as the jowls thing. It sounds like a schoolyard taunt. All right, triangle (laughs) head. What you got? I have more likelihood to have venom. And okay, and then there's the steps to a snake encounter. Okay. The steps to a snake encounter are very funny. Here, let me grab them. All right. Okay. Carrie has these written out on index cards. Yeah, I had these taped to the side (laughs) of our bed. (laughs) Okay, venomous snake. Really pointy triangle head, cat pupils, thick ass bodies. How well do you think Drew has learned all these lessons? Oh, he's learned them very well. We talk about them a lot. Thick ass bodies. (laughs) All right. Friendly snake, round pupils, skinny, and then this note, any color. Wow, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a little math I did on this card. 16% of LA snake species are venomous. 16%. Now, I don't know what the percentage is of the population, so that only gives me a little bit of information. Now, like a crazy person, you've written numbers (laughs) and then like added them up and circled them. Yeah. One is category no, one is category yes. What does this mean? You've counted up individual (laughs) species and then done the math to get 16%? Yeah. All right. I wanted to see how likely it was if I ran into a snake in Los Angeles, how likely is it that it's venomous? If I can tell myself that it's very unlikely, that's going to be useful. Assuming equal representation of every species. That's why I say I don't know the population. (laughs) I tried to find the population on all the species, Ross, but I couldn't. Oh, no. Oh, to be in your head. Okay. One more. 
One more index card. Steps to a snake encounter. By the way, if、uh, you saw the colors of these index cards on a snake, you would want to stay far away.、It's、oh, like, absolutely! Pink next to green. Yeah, yeah that guy's mean. Day <laughs> glow. <laughs> All right, what's the last one? Okay, steps to a snake encounter. I took some of these steps from the internet, and some of these steps from people on Twitter who had snakes and had advice for me. Sounds highly reliable. So, number one, stay calm, no sudden movements, and then someone gave me this little mantra: I don't have anything a snake wants. Oh, like if it were a mugger. Coming for you. It's not like you've got a a mouse, right? A snake wants a little morsel. It wants. I'm a big morsel. It probably wants you to be gone. Right. Exactly. Usually afraid. I've got nothing a snake wants. I like that. Yeah. Number two, give them the right of way. Okay. Yes. So pretend that you've arrived at the intersection at the same time, but they're on the left. It's、mm-hmm. Their right of way. Yes, exactly. Or they're on the right. If you both come to the intersection <laughs> like this, this person gets to go because they're to the left. Oh, I've always thought it was the person to the right. Maybe、oh. I've been screwing up this interaction forever.、Uh-oh. You're right. It's the person on the right that gets the right of way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been doing it wrong. Oh no. Okay, number three. Walk the other way. Walk the other way. Okay. Yeah. Yep. This, this all seems like good advice. Yeah.、Uh, yeah. Stay with me. Number four. To clear a path for a snake far away, create sounds and vibrations. And the example Drew and I always give is, "Hey, you fucking piece of shit, snake! You get the fuck out of here! I hate you so much! Get the fuck away!" And if you scream like that, then that'll create reverberations on the ground, and they may actually leave. Not because of your particular imprecations, but just because of the. The sound. The sound. You could sing Queen at them, and that would also work. So, what I love about this list is it is essentially don't do anything. Yeah, which I would say is more helpful than the analyzing their bodily features or colors or shapes or what have you. Yeah. Or jowl protuberances. Yeah. But rather, just like yeah, let's back off. Yeah, yeah, but. I have not gotten clear instruction on: Do I walk away slowly or do I walk away fast? I've gotten differing. Oh, okay. And it may differ from snake to snake depending on、Probably. whether it's like a leaper or not. Yeah. But yeah. Yet now that we're talking, it's reminding me just how many. Ways of existing in the world, snakes have evolved because you've、mm. got like your adders that create these like these cool paths on the ground. Like some of them will do this kind of weird walk thing where they sort of like corkscrew their bodies. Oh yeah, I've seen that. And, it and, makes a cool pattern. Yeah, it leaves like a cool print. You know, it doesn't look like any kind of footprint because it's not. But then you've got like the rattlesnake, and it's made a noise kind of defense warning system, and you've got.、Uh, These various、uh, venomous snakes. You've got like cobras with these hoods, and I don't know. Snakes are getting cooler the more I think of them. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Terry <laughs> <laughs> has this look of like that's not what I was trying to get across here. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I'm just thinking like so many people think they're cute. So many people really、mm. like are endeared to them, and I mean, I'm now a little less scared of them, but it's hard for me to imagine leaping to like what a cute little snake.、Hmm. Except I do like the snake in Rob. Oh yeah. Let's see. Well, not Ka. That's from the Jungle Book. 
uh, Sir Hiss. That's the one you like. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Uh, recently online, someone had made a little meme with a picture of Sir Hiss. And oh, I'll show it to you. Okay. The caption says, there's animation, there's great animation. And then there's the bit in Disney's Robin Hood <laughs> where a snake crosses his arms. <laughs> And you've got Sir Hiss in a in a basket, and he's coiled himself such that his body is forming crisscrossed arms, and he looks very uh, nonplussed. It's very cute. Yeah. Oh, I, now I need to figure out which artist that was. I played a snake in a children's play once. Really? Mm-hmm. Now this is interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. do tell. I think it was mm, the Frog Prince. I think that's right. I'm reading that Ollie Johnston, one of the the famed nine oh, old yeah. men, that he was the animator for Sir Hiss. Though, of course, sometimes other people work on shots, but I'm gonna I'm gonna credit him. Ollie, call into the pod. Oh, he's great. I met him. Hey, one of two of the nine old men that I met. It's cool. I had lunch with him, and then I was super embarrassed later because he asked me what Disney film inspired me to get into the business. And I told him The Lion King, which is true. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling myself he was probably at least happy to hear that the new generation is inspiring people to get into animation. But almost equally beloved to me is Pinocchio. I love Pinocchio. Uh, Why didn't I say that to him? (laughs) To Ollie Johnston. Come on. Oh, I still kick myself over that. Uh, Well, we all have our waiver moments. (laughs) Indeed. Okay, you were saying. So you played a snake. I did play a snake. When I was in college and undergrad, we would put on like a winter play for kids. And I think it was the Frog Prince. And Mm. I got cast as like the pet snake to the queen, something like that. I just remember that they had to build me this platform that rolled. So it looked like I was just poking out of like, (laughs) you know, a a pet's bed, but really my whole body was under it and moving this thing around. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very popular with the kids. And do you think at that point you already had a fear of snakes or has it changed over time? I did, but you know, I was like a costume character. I wasn't thinking about actual snakes. Okay. Yeah. You also sent me a video that was demonstrating this technique of exposure therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This was by a guy who could get results in three hours. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the world expert at this point, I think. Dr. Ost, O-S-T. Yeah. With an umlaut over the O. Yeah. Yeah. At least according to my professor, he made the technique that's used in a lot of the research right now around phobia. And in that video, he's helping a woman overcome her phobia in three hours by just basically sitting next to the snake. Yeah. I mean, I do think probably you don't need the other person, but if you need the other person in order to stay, yeah, then maybe, go for it. Maybe just someone to be that voice of your conscience sort of talking you through it just calling you back every now and then if your mind starts to get a little distracted yeah seemed like he was helpful and, and she seemed like a good sport the woman in the video oh yeah she's a showing. research assistant so oh, okay because she you could see the visible fear that she had of the snake going in yeah and then over time she would even offer like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try touching him Right. Whereas there was another video that I had found after watching oh, that right. one yes. that I showed you that was totally different of this pushy guy who like kept forcing these two ladies to touch the snake for one second, touch it for five seconds. Now you're going to hold it. And then berating them. I can't hear you. What's your goal? What are you trying to do? I can't hear yeah, you. Yeah, just adding all this sort of like Tony Robbins-ism and, <laughs> and Carrie's like overcomplicating it. He's not. 
not adding anything to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lord, you don't need someone doing that. I can see the argument for, I'm afraid I'm going to run out if someone doesn't stop and remind me that I really need to stay. Mm-hmm. I can I can see why you want someone for that. Or just reassurance. Like I can imagine for someone where like experience or expertise is really important to them, having someone in the room who says like, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, Mm -hmm. this is my job. I deal with this. I've seen this a million times. Uh, I remember one of my sisters was expressing fear about flying. And I said, what usually just kind of crosses through my mind when I kind of casually don't think too much about flying. I just think, well, the pilot knows a lot more than I do about this, and they want to live. Until it's Stockton Rush. (laughs) And I I feel I can offset my fear on him or her, Uh you know, whoever's Uh flying the plane. I can just be like, okay, well, they they know enough. They're getting up there. And, of course, you know, we've all heard of the cases, which are thankfully rare, of uh, of planes crashing. So, of course, it does happen. But that did seem to help her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At least from her responses that she may write me back later and be like, actually, no. (laughs) Regulation helps me thinking about regulation. Yeah. 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 Let's see. You don't have that with Stockton Rush. The the fact that there are bodies who will get you in trouble if you are not regularly servicing Mm -hmm. your plane parts Mm -hmm. and crews of people who analyze crashes afterwards and figure out what lessons can be taken from them. I know one such person, and knowing that those kinds of people are very aware of the fail points, yeah, that mm-hmm. is reassuring. Mm-hmm. 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 There's something mm-hmm. to be said for regulation. Oh, yeah, <laughs> a lot. A lot to a be lot. said for regulation. <laughs> yeah, so that's it, I guess. Okay, wait, so would you say now, where are you at in your level of freedom from fear of snakes? Well, like I said, there's the problem of already having felt free. It didn't mm-hmm. interfere with my life. But I would say that my fear of constrictor snakes is from maybe an eight to a zero. Specifically those snakes. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Eight to a zero. And my fear of a snake whose uh, venom status I can't identify is at like a six or a five. That's still where all the question marks are. Seems like are. it has to be a six or a seven. <laughs> That's where my brain is still having the trouble. Okay. It's like trying to do this like risk analysis piece of it. And you had given yourself a goal for this year, this calendar year to, uh, I was going to say confront a snake, you know, befriend a snake. I don't know. Be in the presence of a snake and touch it. You did it. Do you feel like you want to continue to desensitize yourself to snakes? I'm not sure. So... My friend C.A. Myersberg, she always says, pick your phobias. She's afraid of, I think it's mice or something. And she's just like, but they're not in my life, so I don't care. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know if I care that I'm still afraid of ambiguously venomed snakes. Okay. Does that matter to me? And I'm not sure. If I found that in our backyard there were a lot of snakes and this started to come up, like, oh, I really want to start identifying snakes well, mm-hmm. then I think I would pick up the mantle again. But I think it just depends on how much it actually factors into my life. Okay. And for any of our listeners who have specific phobias, maybe of cockroaches or spiders or snakes or snakes on a plane, <laughs> what would you recommend to them just to do the same kind of process of first 
habituating yourself to maybe images and then videos and then maybe sort of getting in the same room, but where you're protected by plate glass or what have you? Well, I say that I internalized a principle partly because any steps I could give wouldn't be validated steps, right? Mm. I don't, I haven't like tested any protocol, but if you were to follow what I did, and I take no responsibility if you do, um, then I paid attention to what kind of media bothered me. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I don't like it when steaks are on TV. I don't like seeing their fangs. Oh, okay, maybe it's biting that I'm afraid of. Like really sort of interrogate that kind of stuff. Pick it apart and identify the pieces. Yeah, and then try to watch stuff that really fits into those pieces. So if it's really about poison, find out what do you need to know about poison? What's the gap in information that's happening Mm. for you? And then once you notice that you can watch the same video with lower and lower anxiety, Mm. you can sort of check that one off and go to your next more extreme exposure, which might be going to to where snakes are in real life. Okay. All right, well. Or maybe you'll die. Maybe you'll have a heart attack. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. It's really hard to do. We hope not. Yeah, probably not. Okay. Take it easy out there. (laughs) I I take no responsibility. (laughs) But the principle, I think, is sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I really think, yeah, you know, exposure is, is often the way to handle those things. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that journey with us. My pleasure. And ZigZag, if you're listening, if you want to be on the show, as always, anyone that we discuss on the show is welcome. What would you have done if I'd had a snake like in my backpack this whole time? <laughs> I'd be like, you shouldn't keep him in that tiny <laughs> yeah, that <would've> environment. <laughs> I guess that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. This episode was edited by Victor Figueroa. You can support this podcast at MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Is that it? That's correct, yeah. You could also tell other people about it. You know, all of the usual ways you support us, you leave reviews, you write us a letter to let us know that the podcast has made long car rides with your mom so much more enjoyable. You can tell the barista at your local coffee shop that your name is on rack. Then you can take a picture of the sleeve. Then you can put the picture on social media and you could feel like you're advertising even though nothing is really happening. Until people ask why and you tell them the story and then they're like, okay, maybe I'll check out the podcast. And then you're like, it's like this. It's like what's happening between me and you right now. It never ends. They just keep talking. (laughs) Well, I like these concrete steps and it's amazing. There's always a few listeners out there who actually do <laughs> totally. the thing. And, the people who put the banana on the stick. And then Carrie has long <laughs> forgotten that she ever <laughs> mentioned anything like that. That's right. But I've edited it, so I remember. <laughs> and I tell Carrie, oh yeah, you told people to do that. She's like, I did? I did? It seems like it's a lot of steps to get that done. <laughs> wow. And they have a tattoo now? Okay. <laughs> wow. Huh. I guess I'm really powerful. Well. Well, uh, we wish you all the best with any phobias you have. Yeah. It's part of what makes us interesting as humans. Yeah, it's up to you. You keep them, you dunk them. It's up to you, dude. And remember... It's February 1st, 2023. I'm at the LA Zoo. Trying to find the reptile habitat. I don't even know where this thing is yet, and I'm already getting nervous. But I'm passing beautiful flamingos. Oh, wow. feel very ambivalent about being here. 
And it's also causing these questions about like, well, do you even need to be exposed to snakes? It's like, they're not in your life. Okay. Ooh. Okay, I see it. It's called the lair. Living amphibians, invertebrates, and reptiles. Feel my heart rate going up. There's all these kids, all these families. Like, I don't want them to seem to be nervous. <laughs> There's a child over there just playing on a big snake statue. Clearly doesn't care. Clearly didn't get this weird thing. Okay, here we go. Walking in. All these children, no problem. Twelve fifty-one. I'm gonna try to stand here for twenty minutes. A python. Great. Okay. Okay. Looking away from me. Long thing. Let's get away from the python because I won't want to see it. But okay. Now we've got rough-scaled python. Just discovered in 1981. Rarest python on earth. Hi, buddy. Hi, buddy. What's in there? This is a gecko. Green tree python. Everything about this snake makes it perfectly suited for life in the trees. The snake wraps its prehensile tail around a branch, securing itself, and then strikes out to catch its prey. Can't even see your face. Oh, there you are. Aw. Oh, you're kind of cute. <laughs> Someone, a kid just said, snakes are my favorite dangerous thing. Okay, temple viper. Not dangerous to humans, but its bite can be painful, okay? Good luck, kept in temples and trees near homes. I'm Yucky Jessica. I'm Chuck Crudsworth. And this is Terrible. A podcast where we talk about things we hate that are awful. Today we're discussing Wonderful, a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Hosts Rachel and Griffin McElroy, a real-life married couple. Yuck. Discuss a wide range of topics. Music, video games, poetry, snacks. But I hate all that stuff. I know you do, Yucky Jessica. It comes out every Wednesday, the worst day of the week, wherever you download your podcasts. For our next topic, we're talking Fiona the baby hippo from the Cincinnati Zoo. I hate this little hippo. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.